Welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about the political stories we're covering throughout the pandemic. I'm Jessica Much Mackay. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Benedict Collins. So let's start off with our pits and our peaks. Do you go, who wants to start? Should we start with peaks, perhaps? Let's go positive. Okay, I'll kick off then. Um, I thought a, um, just an interesting little thing that came this week that was kind of non-COVID related um, was the New Zealand Institute of Economic Research put out a, um, a new paper um, looking at cannabis. And um, they, they basically did a bit of a, a look at what um, it might be worth to the New Zealand economy. Um, if we did vote yes in this year's referendum. And they basically found it would be quite a small um, sort of niche boutique market, not the wide scale ones that, that you sort of see in, in, in places overseas like Colorado. Um, and they figured it would bring in about $490 million um, in tax revenue for the government. And it estimated that uh, New Zealand would get through 111 tonnes of cannabis a year, which is uh, quite a lot higher um, than, than other reports have suggested, about four times higher. And they estimated it would, it would generate possibly a few thousand jobs. Interesting stuff there. What's your peak, Mikey? Yeah, um, obviously my peak uh, political politically, is that we had zero cases this week um, for two days running. So, um, you know, no doubt um, everybody across the country would have been smiling and, and jumping with joy to see, you know, um, the thing that we've strived for, I guess, um, in terms of those zero case numbers. Everybody's been watching them day by day at those 1pm press conferences. Um, and to get two days in a row um, was just great news. Obviously, um, it came with a bit of a caveat that, you know, um, this was all um, the result of the Level 4 lockdown um, and that the real numbers that we should be keeping an eye on in terms of Level 3 and moving to Level 2 um, were those ones that we, we will now see later this week. Um, and so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on those. The other peak, non-political, um, is that yesterday for the first time I went to the supermarket since we got into this whole COVID lockdown and um, yeah, it was a bit of a joy, I'd say. Um, so really interesting stuff. And uh, today though, I went back to the supermarket and just before the podcast, I bought some um, game cards for the kids, you know, the, the Xbox ones and, and Google Play Store. Anyway, I think I bought about, you know, 60 bucks with the game cards only to get home and be told by the children that they're the wrong ones because that's how I to play item. <laughs> So literally just had to run back to the store, no refunds, and their hearts were set on it. So I had to fork out some more cash for that, guys. That's why I'm a little bit late to today's podcast, but uh, here we go. Hashtag level three life. Yeah. My, my um, peak this week was also the zero cases uh, and just seeing people's reaction to it. It was really cool that people sort of felt like they shared in that collective joy. I guess the other positive part of it too is moving, getting those details of how level two will look like. And I think on a personal level, um, reaching that will be, will be really nice to have a few more of those freedoms back. So that would be my, my peak. What about pits? For me, I think... Um uh, what I think it's understandable on the one hand, but also it's a, it's a bit concerning, and that's what we're seeing happen with the Official Information Act. Um, so I got a response back recently from the police, and they said, look, our ability to respond to the Official Information Act at the moment has been severely disrupted because of the coronavirus. I've got a similar answer back on another Official Information Act request from the Corrections Department, saying, hey, look, 
you know, we're absolutely overwhelmed with the coronavirus. We've had to deploy people to other departments. We, we, we're going to need at least a 40-day extension. Okay, you know, and I saw a, uh, another outlet, uh, Newsroom, um, their political editor, Sam Sashdeva, um, uh, tweeting the other day that he'd got a 60-day extension from a minister's office because they're, you know, they're simply having to, to deploy staff to deal with other matters, not to deal with official information act requests. But we're four months out from a general election, and this is one of the main ways that the media can hold the government to account and see what's really going on, you know, behind the press releases and the statements. And for that to be getting, you know, on the one hand, it's understandable, but on the other hand, for that to be getting shut down just a few months or, or be severely disrupted just a few months out from an election, uh, you know, I think it um, raises, you know, troubling questions about sort of transparency and accountability for this government running into this election campaign. Yeah, I've experienced the same thing, Benedict, in that a couple of OIA requests that I've got in with Te Arafitzi, the Māori Crown Relations um, Department, um, they've also extended out my OIA requests twice now um, because of the COVID-19 response they're saying too, that they've been called away and having to help out there. So um, interesting to see that it's happening across the board in terms of those um, you know, government organisations uh, and, and so on. Um, my pitch this week, uh, is um, the lack of Māori representation, the criticism around the lack of Māori representation at the Epidemic Response Committee. Um, interesting stuff there. Uh, it was raised in part by Sir Peter Gluckman, which we um, you know, spoke about his um, submission uh, the other week. Um, but um, the, the, the um, echo of criticism was even louder this week in terms of no Māori educational representation um, at the, the Epidemic Response Committee, nothing from Kurapaupapa Māori, Ko Hangareo, the National Trust there, um, critical of, um, of, of this committee. And it was interesting to see Māori, uh, Labour's Māori MPs um, and even Marama Davidson from the Green Party coming out saying, hey, look, we lobbied Simon Bridges about this very issue. At the end of the day, he holds the majority power on that select committee. Um, I saw a couple of his responses in an article by um, Te Aniwa Hurihanganui from Radio New Zealand, and he, his basic response to her was, um, oh, look, we've had Joe Hayes, we've had some of our Māori MPs on the select committee, um, which isn't, you know, is, isn't the, uh, it goes nowhere near um, to being um, the representation that, that Māori need on, on that committee. So um, interesting stuff to watch there. I think he did, though, admit at a press conference on Wednesday um, that, that he could do better, that they could do better in terms of that voice. So I hope he's heard that criticism and taken it on board. Mine is more of an interesting thing. We call it pits, peaks and interesting tidbits. And uh, mine is that our very own Mikey Sherman is now the Deputy Press Gallery Chair. And that means she uh, is one of the three leaders that represent us um, on, the, on that committee. And it's a prestigious position. And we're really pleased that she will be taking on that extra responsibility. And also that we have a voice that has... Um, television. She's also been a print and radio journo. So um, an interesting thing to note, um, Joe Moyer is the uh, chair and um, Jason from the Herald is the uh, treasurer. So those three representing us um, in the press gallery. So a little bit of a beltway thing perhaps, but I think um, 
those of you who follow politics perhaps interested in it. So let's get into, into the things that we're going to talk about. I just want to um, add a little side note that I'm actually sitting in our in our press gallery office today and um, the phones have been buzzing. I'm doing my very best to mute them when they come up, but I'll, I'll, we just might have to live with that little distraction. Um, but let's, let's start off talking about what level two will mean. So yesterday, we got the announcement of how it's going to lay out and of course getting ready for that Monday announcement when we find out when we will be going to level two. Mikey, you were at that announcement. Do you want to take us through those big headline figures? Yeah, um, really interesting stuff. And, you know, we saw families and, and, and you know, workers um, across the country sort of tuning into that 1pm press conference with Jacinda Ardern and Ashley Bloomfield, everybody wanting to know what freedoms we'll have in level two. And I think the Prime Minister did a good job in um, outlining exactly what we can expect, um, especially for, you know, the first hit off the bat. So the big thing that I noticed is that obviously domestic travel will be allowed under level two, where previously under the level two rules, it was for essential purposes only. And I guess that is, you know, the government saying, look, we are aware that, um, for example, tourism is on its knees. And, um, you know, because we're going to see our international borders closed to non-New Zealanders for quite some time now, we need to do as much as we can um, to support industries like that and, and, you know, explore our own backyard. So it's a huge, um, huge thing for them. Um, obviously, too, seeing lots of retail stores open, bars, restaurants, cafes, um, lots of rules around that, though, um, but also mass gatherings. Interesting to see um, the outdoor figure decrease from 500 down to 100, and that's the same figure for indoor um, events. So lots there to do on. What else did you guys find interesting? I guess a big thing for a lot of parents and for students and for teachers is schools going back to, and there may be a few parents uh, who might be counting down those days that kids can go back, and for kids as well, to get back into it and get see their friends and get back into the rhythm of things. I found it really interesting, the um, whole idea of, of how the restaurants and how the social side of things will work. We had a few restaurateurs who say, look, if it's got to be a single server, if the people have got to be spaced out, it's just not going to be viable for so I think we will still see some of those com so some of those businesses really struggling still through level two. So I, I think that was a really interesting point. I think you're right with the domestic travel. I wonder if we're going to see a whole movement of people who who um, perhaps are feeling like they might travel in their own backyard more than they ever have in the past. I know one of our um, producers, our fabulous producer Marcia Fleming, was saying the other day, you know, she had to cancel a trip overseas, um, poor, poor her, but lucky that she was going in the first place now is looking at, at taking a trip in New Zealand. And for those of those people who, who are lucky enough to be able to do that, um, I think we may see people getting out and about and, and what a relief that will be to be able to jump in the car and, and go away and, and, and drive. We um, had to do a click and collect from Bunnings the other day and my goodness, what a pleasure it was jumping in the car and going and picking up, picking up some stuff. So I think maybe we'll all have a newfound appreciation for life. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Just being able to break those um, bubbles, hopefully sort of Thursday next week, if um, you know, those case numbers stay low, I think we're probably, probably looking at that. Um, you know, being able to travel and see relatives and, and catch up with friends again, it's going to be... Um, Really interesting. I thought another interesting thing in the um, announcement yesterday, they're, they're looking at 
trying to get um, professional sport going again, you know, even if there aren't going to be any crowds. So, uh, you know, a lot of people will be looking forward to sitting down on a Friday and Saturday night and being able to watch some sport again if, if they're not participating in it. Yeah, that's going to be so good. Um, the other interesting thing that the Prime Minister mentioned was that um, a, a, a bit of a warning, perhaps, that, you know, we may need to slowly and um, phase in um, this level two. I thought that was really interesting. So she laid it out in the press conference, you know, went through all of the things, the bubbles, the travel, this and that. And then she said, oh, and by the way, and it was quite quick, um, um, but but very noticeable to anyone who was listening. By the way, uh, you know, if, if uh, health officials say that, um, then they're a little bit concerned and they're not too sure where, whether we should be moving straight into level two, we may need to phase it in. And I guess that's around things like um, mass gatherings, you know, because uh, even though we saw those two days with zero case numbers, we then saw um, a case on Wednesday linked to the Marist College and then a case on Thursday linked to the Matamata cluster, um, Marist College being a cluster as well. Those are our two biggest clusters. And the Prime Minister was saying yesterday, look, um, the virus loves congregation. So perhaps if we do need to phase into it, it might be that we don't see those mass gatherings allowed straight away. Yeah, I, I liked that um, idea that you talked about that 2.5 level. And I think people can kind of get their heads around that. I found that really interesting. Another thing that we talked about this week was the trans-Tasman bubble. And that obviously means that Australia and New Zealand um, become one mega bubble and we would be able to travel between uh, the, the places without having the two-week quarantine. And we saw the Warriors league team go across to Australia. Yes, they have to do the two-week quarantine, but they're still allowed to go over there. And that was, um, Winston Peters said that was paving the way for a, a further, further bigger bubble. And I think it's, it's a really interesting idea to aim for. And I think perhaps makes people feel a little bit buoyed, this idea that maybe not weeks, maybe not, maybe a couple of months away, but the fact that we could have Australia and New Zealand joining together. So we, we, Got a few more details about that this week. Not a huge number of details. Um, we had the, our Prime Minister and um, Scott Morrison meeting and talking virtually, of course, um, about this idea. So, yeah, another thing to perhaps look on the horizon and aim for. Yeah, I'd be really surprised if this bubble gets going in the next few months. I, you know, I think I think we saw the other day, like it. You know, it seems to be a really big priority for the New Zealand government in the, in the way um, it was sort of handled the other day with the Prime Minister waiting to put out that statement, waiting for Scott Morrison to talk about it and waiting for their cabinet meeting in Australia to finish that. Of course, she took part in the early stages of that meeting. And then he, he didn't even talk about it in his, in his main address and they kind of gave other spokespeople um, time to talk. And then finally a journalist asked him about it um, in a two-part question. He forgot the first part about New Zealand. They had to come back to it. it yeah, and he, I, I just keep getting the sense that it's, you know, while they talk about it, I, I just don't think it's going to be happening, you know, in the foreseeable future. I think it's going to be, you know... Um, quite risky and I think there could you know could well still be being out, outbreaks in both countries like we hear our Prime Minister say you know it's it's highly unlikely that we've found every case of COVID in the community. 
Yeah, well, and we heard, though, that, um, you know, he's obviously having to um, be mindful that um, there are a number of, you know, that Australia has its premiers, um, and we heard our Australian mm -hmm. correspondent, Ryan Boswell, talk a bit about that and about the fact that there are those sort of... Um, those regional or, or, you know, those domestic borders that are already up. So um, you have to get through those before you even get, um, you know, across the Tasman. Um, That's and, right. And the other thing that I was wondering, you know, is that the last time, and it was um, really funny to see those in your opening pictures in your story the other day, Jess, you know, the last time Jacinda Ardern and Scott Morrison were shoulder to shoulder um, was when she pretty much gave them a big public serve um, over, you know, um, sending back uh, New Zealand um, deportees from Australia. Um, so, you know, he was, you know, somewhat embarrassed, I'd say, a little bit then. And so maybe, um, you know, in some some small way, um, his sort of pretend acting as though it wasn't a big deal for Australia and New Zealand looking as though they were really, really keen and the friend that just wants to get things going um, was a little bit of payback um, as well, a bit of backhand there. Um, but I think um, it was, uh, you know, unprecedented to have um, the New Zealand Prime Minister invited into the Australian Cabinet, um, something that hasn't happened in a very, very long time. I forget who, who the last one was, but it has happened once before, at least. I've got to speak uh, Fraser. Yeah, so interesting uh, and, and and shows the strength of the relationship and the severity of the virus, I think, that we did see that happen um, this week. Just picking up on that, so when I was looking back through the footage, that was the 28th of February. And do you remember that, that day that was the first time that we heard there was one confirmed case in New Zealand and the Prime Minister needed to answer questions over there? And it just made me think, and that was my opening line of my story, wow, that's a, it feels like a really, really long time ago that that happened. So I do think it's, um, it just shows what a difference a couple of months makes and just how close everyone was and the Prime Minister travelling overseas and just none of none of these things now were I mean just imagine how much has changed in the last couple of months and what we've had to get our head around. But shall we shall we perhaps park COVID nineteen um for a little while? Any other stories that have been happening this week that you guys wanted to chip in on that are non COVID related? I know that you've done one, Benedict. The, the cannabis one? Yeah, did you want to talk any more about that or are you happy? Yeah, I, I thought it was just uh, kind of interesting um, at what kind of a, how I, um, they really think it's going to be a very small industry in New Zealand. Um, it, you know, because I was thinking, oh, hey, you know, um, you look overseas and in places like Colorado, Colorado, I think there's more than 12,000 people employed. I thought, you know, could this be kind of a bit of a, uh, a ray of hope for some people who have lost their jobs, um, it, you know, in, in recent days, or recent weeks, as we've gone to that lockdown. And um, but yeah, they they sort of think maybe a couple of thousand jobs at, at, at most, which was yeah, kind of kind of interesting. And they say that's because of the legislation that the government's put in place um, all around trying to basically legalise it and then reduce the size of the industry slowly over time and, and trying to reduce demand as well. I just think it's interesting, um, firstly, that you're doing a story that's not related to COVID. We haven't been doing those very frequently, but also the fact that um, we're going to have to vote on, on this issue in a, in a referendum in four months' time. And I think, I don't know about you guys, but now that we've clicked into May, it feels like um, that four and a bit month 
um, to months till the election uh, seems to have crept up on us a little. And I think that's what we've got to start turning our attention. We're going to be going into budget next week. And then it almost feels as though we're going to um, be getting into our groove for the election. So I think that, uh, you know, these these kinds of issues that maybe we haven't reported on as much, we'll have to start climbing into again and, and getting into campaign mode. Even if everything, I think, is going to kind of have a coronavirus flavour to it. You know, it, mm. every story I think you're looking at now will always have a, you know, in, in some ways will relate back to, yeah, mm. relate to the um, pandemic. Yeah. Well, should we leave it there? Did you need need to add anything else, Mike Sherman, or are you happy? No, I'm happy. Excellent. Well, let's leave it there then. This was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we're covering throughout the pandemic. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's available around this time each week, One News Online, and check us out on your favourite podcasting app. See you next week, guys.